welcome to the Stalk and I podcast for single women considering solo motherhood by donor conception. I'm your host, Mel Johnson, the solo motherhood coach and solo mum to a three-year-old daughter. For series four of the podcast, I talk to a variety of professionals about specific topics relevant to solo parenthood where they have an expertise. In today's episode, I chat to 36-year-old Sophie, who lives in South Oxfordshire with her twin girls. Sophie embarked on her journey to solo motherhood when she was 31 after receiving the results of a fertility test. She got two eggs from her treatment and transferred them both, and they're now both her twin girls. I discussed with Sophie using an au pair as part of her support network, as well as solo parenting twins. Sophie, thank you so much for saying you're recording an episode of the podcast with me. You're so welcome. So today we are going to talk about using an au pair as part of your support network, which I'm actually super excited to go into because it's a consideration that I have also got for myself, actually, and whether that would be useful for me. But before we dive into that subject, do you want to just give yourself an introduction? Yeah, sure. I'm 35. I'll be 36 in a couple of weeks time. And I have got uh, twin three-year-olds. They turned three in June, so they're just three. And I embarked upon my um, solo mom journey when I was 31, um, having done a second fertility MOT, which demonstrated that my um, AMH number number had halved from seven till three. Um, If anybody's in the midst of uh, fertility MOTs and knows what that means, um, then you'll, you'll know exactly what that refers to. And if not, it just demonstrates that my egg reserve um, was much lower than would be expected and was falling very quickly. Uh, so it was what's termed as premature ovarian failure. Um, so I discovered that when I was 31. And then more or less uh, immediately, I decided to um, go for IVF with, uh, with donor sperm, um, which I did from the European Sperm Bank with the help of the Zeta West Clinic in London. Um, and I got pregnant first time with my girls. Uh, I only got two eggs from my round of IVF and they're now both uh, my children so um, it started badly and finished really well is how I tend to describe my IVF uh, treatment uh, not, not very productive to begin with but then um, all very successful um, and I live in South Oxfordshire uh, with my babies. Wow I'm sitting here with one three-year-old with massive amounts of respect. <laughs> It is bedlam. I it can imagine. Bedlam. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's been absolute chaos wall to wall. I knew it was going to be um, quite d- difficult, and it is, but um, there was never realistically been any moment when I thought I couldn't cope with it. You just, you, you know, you just proceed, don't you? <laughs> Off we go, one foot in front of the other, and um, they're brilliant, and I'm really happy with our little family. Brilliant. And have you found it get slightly easier as they're getting older, or is it just different challenges? <laughs> um the challenges change that currently currently the the challenge is the kind of um constant bilateral negotiations that begin at 7 a.m and finish at 7 p.m um i'm always having at least two conversations simultaneously sometimes about completely unrelated topics like where is the bunny and why do we live um like just you know just you know i i would like a biscuit when is granny coming to visit did 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 fergus granny's dog come out of her tummy um why is it day and um, they just just constant absolutely relentless constant um, and also increasingly hilarious and more and more fun to be their parent um they're so loving and, and sweet and also starting to play together which is nice so it, it gets easier and harder <laughs> it, it reminds me so on Thursday night I run a group coaching course at eight o'clock and it's so stressful because I, I therefore have to get Daisy to sleep at eight o'clock to run the course and of course 
she never wants to go to sleep at eight o'clock and those questions like on Thursday at nine minutes to eight she was like mommy why is there a moon and I was like oh god (laughs) I don't know I don't even know the answer to half the questions she's asking me it is exhausting and they do it they they know they know I know but um gosh yeah I can't even imagine that times by two so did you transfer two eggs because you only had two and you thought that would give you more of a chance I was advised to actually which is really unusual um at this stage and because this stage in history of of IVF and also because I was young um but because of the way my uh, embryos were behaving in dish they were not looking like they were going to make it to uh, a day when they could be frozen and because I didn't respond well to the IVF to begin with, or at least I didn't produce many eggs considering I was 31, my consultant said, we've got two in the dish. If we put one back, the other one realistically is not going anywhere, or we can put two back and put both of them back. And this was at day three. If anyone's familiar with the IVF process, you'll know that you're ideally aiming for blastocyst at day five. This was day two. I was having this conversation. They went back in at day three. And he and I had a long conversation and I'd already had a long conversation with the therapist at the clinic about how many children I would ideally like to have. And that number was two. What my sort of setup was at home and whether I felt like I could deal with having twins. And I stupidly said yes. Not stupidly. You know what I mean? Uh, and so we, we proceeded. Both went back in and lo and behold, holy mother of Troy, they both took. And um, yeah, off they went. I actually, there was only one heartbeat at seven weeks. And Thea, my, my second daughter's heartbeat kicked in after that in time for the next scan, which is really interesting and, and perplexing. But so yeah, so I had this sort of empty sack, literally the worst term ever syndrome yeah. uh, to start with. And then she was like, nope, I'm coming. I'm here. And off we went. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So you only found out you were having twins on the second scan. I actually knew uh, in my head um, before then, because I felt both of them implant on uh... whatever day it was, five, can't remember, like after transfer. And my HCG levels were insane. Uh, so they, they were double um, what I was expecting. So I really felt that I was going to have twins. And then when the sack was out, I was like, oh, okay, that's not, that's not what, I thought, and never mind, one it is, but but low. <laughs> what a roller coaster! So you the universe like... that had other ideas. Yeah, yeah. exactly. No, it, yeah. it was really cool, and and also for, for me personally, I I would have struggled to um, find the the time and the money to have another round of IVF now, which is what I would have had to do if I'd had the, if I'd had the one and I wanted to go for two. So, fate has entirely worked in my favour, though though it's been rather exhausting. And so, how are you finding it? It's, I mean, it's brilliant. It's, it's all I know. So um, yeah. whenever, you know, particularly, you know, double parents, what are they called? People in couples or whatever they are. Um, par- parents with one child. They're like, oh my God, it must be so hard. I'm like, well, I guess. <laughs> I don't know, really. Yeah, I mean, they, they seem to have a pretty uh, cushy ratio, two adults to one child. Blows my mind. But um, <laughs> I don't know. For, for me, it's always two babies, one adult. And it was complete chaos, particularly very early doors when I was trying to breastfeed twins and <laughs> wow. yeah I mean some people have succeeded in doing that I, I didn't really uh but I I gave it a bash and yeah I don't know it's just funny now I think I think it, get, it gets more like just having two children of different ages once they give it older when, when you've got two newborns it is I mean it's ludicrous but again at no stage did I feel like I couldn't do it or wasn't coping you, you can look after two newborns completely on your own every night for their lives and it's fine it's just hard yeah it's tired yeah Yeah. (laughs) I I wasn't feeling like super invigorated but uh yeah no it was 
um, the biggest achievement of my life. I um, love your awesome. attitude um, about it. I think it's great. And I think, yeah, I, I fully agree with it. You just don't know any other. So you can look at other people's situation and think that looks a bit easier. <laughs> but, you know, that's well, maybe sometimes that you look at other people's husbands and think, God, he seems like a wanker. Glad he's not in my house. <laughs> Um, we, yeah. we have that conversation all the time that it's, it's so easy to fantasize that it would be easier but then it might be things. we tend to compare our situation with the best possible other situation exactly um and it's like you might have the best possible other situation and that might yeah. be much easier and, and more fun or whatever else but yeah. say that's five percent of the other available situations your 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 outcome is great compared to to loads of yeah. others and it's your own family isn't it it's, it's your little your little crew my benchmark is Ryan Reynolds. Like if I could compare it to that, then I think, okay, that'd be pretty good. Although probably there's, he's probably away loads as well. He might be an arsehole. He's he might be bum. <laughs> Yeah, I don't, you just don't know, do you? No, um, exactly. Yeah. So, so your attitude, I love, this is my situation. This is how I'm going to, you know, make the most of it. This is what we're doing. I'm lucky in that I'm not really a grass is greener person. I'm, I'm like, I'm like this, this grass is green. The grass I have here is green. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm very lucky in that. I'm really, that, one of the greatest blessings that I have, uh, apart from my physical health is my mental health, which I often describe as being like a breeze block, which I don't attribute any great, you know, achievement on my own part to that. I, I just, I, I just keep going. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't have like too, too many issues with it, which I'm, I'm really, really lucky with. So yeah, just carry on regardless that's my absolute advice that I give all my coaching clients around the comparison topic so I describe like a bucket of energy and anything that goes on looking at the greener grass is going away from your bucket so the more energy you can keep in focusing on just your situation and how to make the mess of it the mess how to make the best of it yeah um, exactly the better because any that looks outward on other people is just then take it away from your Your own life is the project what is it that you're doing in your own life that is is making it more fun and more more joyous and another thing that makes it easier for me just to um so I'm not congratulating myself too much is that I've never had a successful romantic relationship in fact until now I'm now in one but previous to this I never had a long-term boyfriend or anything and like that where I'm looking back at that and thinking oh that was the man I hoped was going to be the father of my children or that was the couple I hoped I'd be in um to to create my family I have my my relationship history is a relentless car crash like a pile up on the M25 where everyone dies um (laughs) so there's there's no kind of holy grail that I was looking back at in terms of who I was having babies with I was always like I'm I'm the best candidate (laughs) 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 who I'm having babies with the person that I trust most me um (laughs) So yeah, that, that actually is, I, there was no kind of grieving process for me that a lot of people do need to go through just, just because they've succeeded in some kind of relationship before or because they had a stronger ideal of what they were shooting at in terms of a slightly more traditional setup. And um, I, I'm lucky in that I was like, never mind, not for me. But I'm very excited about this conversation because this is also a question I get last loads. So, so many people say to me, if I make this decision, I feel like I'm writing off ever having a relationship. You're saying I've never had a relationship that's successful. Now I've got three-year-old twins. Is the first <laughs> time I've had one. That is like the reverse way around. Well, the people who, like lots of people were like, are you, are you not worried that your, um, your, your relationship, uh, your like love life will be... Uh, damaged or ruined so I'm like have you seen my love life 
what damage do you think it could take at this point that is going to make it worse than it already is? I mean, to be honest, it, it, could, it could only be improved by three-year-old twins or twins of any age or to what it's a house fire probably improved it. Like it was just, it was non-existent. Um, whereas if you, I guess if you do have an existing relationship that is going well um, or is in his very early doors or is going well and your partner doesn't want children, then you've got much more to juggle with. Mine was like, this is lame can't get much worse why not uh, um, that sounds very flippant that's not how it was but you yeah. know you know what I mean yeah and so where do you find time to meet somebody when you've got three-year-old twins just out of interest um I started dating my boyfriend in January we met on hinge the dating website and did a load yeah. of zoom dates um because they were compulsory then the, the upside of zoom dates is you can get hammered and <laughs> um you don't have to drive anywhere brilliant uh, so that's that's where I met him and now I make time forcibly in my Brilliant. life and I pay people to look after my children so I can spend the odd Saturday night away and he comes here and yeah it just I mean to be honest I don't have a particularly active social life <laughs> so it's not as if I'm like oh no I must cancel all these parties so I can go and see my boyfriend <laughs> um but yeah that, that's I guess yeah it, it's the same as before except now I've just happened to have met the right person before I met an endless string of Halfwits and idiots. Amazing. Oh, I mean, it I might mean, not be the right person. It might dump me tomorrow, but you know, it's where we are at the moment. <laughs> for now. <laughs> yeah, for now. Yeah. But that's a super positive story for people to hear because I think a lot of people worry that they won't meet someone, and you have got three-year-old twins and you've met someone. I feel like that's a good example of the fact that you definitely can meet someone at any time. And loads of men out there have got kids of their own. It would be completely self-righteous of them to be like, no, no, I'm not going to date someone with children. Um, the, the issue is time and whether you feel sexy and whether you can be asked to entertain yeah. someone else's boring chat. Because, um, uh, you know, I mean, most, most dates are mostly boring chat, aren't they? Um, I've been <laughs> on lots, so I've got a good experience in this area. Um, so that it's just whether you can be bothered to do that. And I, I usually can't. Um, and I did make an exception for this one guy. That's cool. Um, but that, that's the limitation. Not like people aren't I, I have had literally no issue in terms of that. I've always been very clear with the fact that I've got children and I have been approached myriad occasions on the Tinder yeah. webs. People do not mind that, but they expect it. As soon as you're in your 30s, 40s, um, there's an expectation that you have had a life of some kind. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I would say uh, don't let that be the concern. And one of the things I would say is um, the right person also will think that your situation is probably quite good because you haven't got any other person that the you're having ex, to fight. Exactly. The court case, the divorce, <laughs> the like weird stalker, whatever. Yeah, no, it's a yeah. huge asset because yeah it, it adds a massive complication. The downside yeah. being obviously nobody is, is sharing care for your children um, but that is minimal and solvable. Yeah. Okay. So when you were considering this, was there other people in your life who you were thinking, okay, these are going to form part of my sort of support network? Who have you got around you in terms of support network? My mum is my second in command. Uh, she lives 15 minutes down the road from me. And in a moment of uh, generosity, which I will always hold dear, when I said I was going to have babies on my own, my mum moved house sort of to be closer to me and is, and is now that sort of perfect distance away uh she doesn't actually look after my children on her own very mm -hmm. much at all but she's been my constant support and cheerleader and we very often look after them together as it were we, we spend time together and she halves the halves the load so yeah she's she's amazing for that um and actually also my my brother's a brilliant particularly one who lives locally um 
as soon as you have two children at the same time, the capacity of other people to look after your children for you is immeasurably reduced, mm. um, particularly if they have a child of their own. So all my NCT crowd, for instance, who were brilliant um, throughout maternity leave, but just lovely people, to fun to spend time with, they've, they've got a new baby of their own um, and their husband's just gone back to work. So are they going to go from one baby to three babies for very long? No. So the support I was looking for was company, people to chat to, emotional support, people to sort of give me advice, particularly other solo twin mums because that ratio of one adult to two newborns particularly um is one that not many people have experienced uh, so it's just really nice for someone to say yeah you can put the baby there and then you can go and get this baby to do that whatever stupid practical stuff yeah. um and then other support people it was really that it was i wanted my, my friends were all completely on side and very excited um all my family was thrilled my dad actually announced my pregnancy before i'd even started IVF. yeah <laughs> Actually, to be honest, it was fucking irritating. But um, he uh, was completely on board. He's also a vicar. So I was kind of interested as to whether he was going to be um, a bit more tradish about uh, it and, and sort of perturbed. He was just so psyched to have a grandchild. He misread my email and thought I was having a baby and then told everyone, <laughs> like extended family, about 70 people. So that was nice. But yeah, no, so that, that was what I wanted, really, positivity and um, emotional backup. I think that's also reassuring for people to hear because um, it's another question that people have. I've got like a very religious friend. What will they think of it? And I think there's no blanket just because someone's religious means that they will disagree with this decision. I think it's Not a very all. individual. Uh, and a very good friend of mine um, who is in a within a sort of within a Christian community has lots of Christian friends. Um, most have been entirely supportive and a couple have been critical and it's, it's a case of dealing with it on a on a case-by-case -case basis yeah. there's a couple of family members i know um who consider my lifestyle choice to uh be less than ideal um but i don't give a shit <laughs> but I'm, I'm lucky in the position i'm in i, I don't have to give a shit I, I, their yeah. opinion is completely irrelevant in my life if, if their opinion was relevant um or you know i was more invested in the community opinion uh whatever I'm sure I would take it more to heart, but um, not. Good that case. you're not. Brilliant. <laughs> and so I wanted to chat to you about, I know that you decided to use an au pair. Mm -hmm. um, it's a question I get a lot on people thinking, maybe to help my support network, I will use an au pair. And I wanted to speak to someone who had experience to talk us through how you did it, how it works, what you can and can't, get them yeah. to do all of that sort of stuff so where did it all start how how did you start with that process so my children were I think pro I, I'm a forward planner as we can tell from the fact that I had two fertility MOTs by the time I was 31 um so I think probably my children were potentially not yet born when I started looking at how the name of the Jesus I was going to pay for childcare for two children when I was going back to work freelance in the event sector when they were going to be nine, 12 months old. So I was trying to figure that out. I, I knew I couldn't afford to use universal credit because of the costs I have. I also have a flat in London, um, which is a second property, which I couldn't rent out or sell or sell at auction or anything else. I just couldn't get rid of it. And that meant that I couldn't claim universal credit because I had two properties. So that was off the table. I couldn't afford two nursery places um, and I certainly couldn't afford a nanny because that would have been more than my income. So my options at this point were actually pretty limited. It, it was a slightly hairy moment. And then I thought, I'm going to be working in my own home. 
I work in the garden. That's where I am now in my, my office. My, my house is 20 feet away. So I thought, actually, if I get a really great au pair to come and live in my house, somebody who is in their 20s, has some life experience, has looked after lots of children before, potentially has a childcare qualification of some kind or an A-level in it, a GCSE in it, d- different European countries have different qualifications available um, or just has great references from uh, someone she's done, you know, frequent babysitting with for 10 years that actually might be a good idea and then I realized that au pairs are generally paid between 80 and 100 pounds a week and I thought yes this is going to be the route I need to make this happen and proceeded from there that was the thought process where I got that's how I got to yes and au pair Okay. And I know that some people will have a view on whether that's the right thing to do because the strict guidelines would say that you need a, like a professional nanny rather than, yep. uh, you know, what, what's your view on, on that? Definitely. I've got time for everyone's opinion. Um, I'm, I'm not really very excited about people sharing their opinion with me that I made a poor childcare decision for my family, but everyone is completely at liberty to look at the, the risks uh, and, and benefits of, of any situation. I mean, for instance, if I, if I gave my twins to my aunt for a day, for instance, um, she has no childcare qualifications, hasn't looked after a child since her 30-year-old uh, son was a, a baby and, and she's no more qualified than than anybody else but I would happily ask her to to watch my children and play with them so once you build up a relationship with somebody and you can see what kind of situations they can deal with with your support you can imagine what they would be able to deal with without your support and for me also the thing you're not meant to do according to the guidelines is give an au pair sole charge or, or they sort of recommend that you wait until your child is two I think it is but because I'm on my property one nanosecond down the garden path and and at that stage she was looking after them really just in the house and pushing them around in the pushchair I I was pretty confident that if there was any kind of emergency I could sail in what I personally wouldn't have done but I know fabulous mothers who have done is resume my commute into London while she was in in charge of of those two nine-month-olds but as I say you have to trust that people are going to do their best and um, when you see what someone's capable of if you decide that they can look after your child then you've decided that they can look after your child and that's your own decision yeah so it's individual depending on the person depending on the circumstances you make the right decision that, that for you basically exactly so where do you go about finding an au pair how did that work i went to aupairworld.com which is a website um, it looks a bit like a dating website or even a sperm donor website <laughs> in that there's just a lot of different profiles of, of various au pairs. It has things like why they've decided they want to be an au pair, what they're hoping to achieve, what kind of family life they currently have, what experience they have in childcare, if any, and, and just some kind of pictures of them doing things that they enjoy. And then you also have a profile as a family. So talking about what you're looking for and, and the key is to be specific and honest don't pretend it's going to be three hours a day if it's actually going to be six don't pretend that there's a large spare bedroom if actually it's a cupboard under the stairs because as soon as the au pair arrives with you they can then immediately leave if they want to mm. um, you have no contract with them and there's no legal obligation for them to stay so you might as well tell them exactly what the situation is and the website that i used there are plenty of others is the opportunity for that sort of first here's my honest situation I'm really excited for you to join our family declaration you can also use an au pair agency uh, which is much more expensive but with lots of extra surety in terms of checking up on documentation getting references and stuff I think I've never used one but uh, I'm sure that that's also a good choice 
Okay. And so do you sort of, do you interview them? Like how does it work before they come over? I did lots and lots of Skype dates. <laughs> right. um, yeah. So as soon as you're, it's just like dating, you're chatting away and you sort of think that they might be the right person. You arrange a Skype interview. I did three for each um, au pair that eventually came here and ruled various people out during that process as well. It's not a sort of finalization. It's an initial getting to know you and then yeah. I would then give them some questions. You know, two babies are in the bath. One baby does a big poo. What do you do in this situation? You're at the park. Um, one child has a meltdown, doesn't want to leave the park. What are we going to do? That kind of stuff, just to see what their response to that was. And also to check their level of comprehension of English. Okay. Because if you are, if you've got a 10 year old and you're asking your au pair to pick them up from school um, and cook them tea and then maybe do a puzzle with them, that level of English is required. If you're going to ask somebody to do a very specific series of things with two very young children and their various safety concerns at play, different places they need to be at certain times. Uh, the level of comprehension of English needs to be of a certain standard, bearing in mind one of the key reasons they're coming here as au pairs is to learn English. So yeah. there's no point in me blanking, you must be fluent. Why am I here then? So yeah, that, that was that process. It's a lots and lots of lots and lots of Skype chats. And if you think they're not the right person, then they're not the right person. This person is like, is joining your family. And you have to think, am I, do I want to be friends with this individual? Are we going to have a nice time together? If, if it's going to be awkward, bail. Even if they seem lovely, even if they seem great. If, you're going to, if it's going to be cringe, bail. Yeah, okay. So when did you have your first au pair join then? You've had more than one, did you say? I've had three, yeah. Three, yeah. Um, so Anna, who... Um, is a, is a great personal friend is currently writing her MA thesis on solo mums uh, and, and outcomes for children and was with me last weekend and is doing still doing lots of childcare for me. She's in London now at SOAS. So she joined us when my children were nine months old. So um, the March of 2019 and she stayed the six months which we'd arranged and then she began studying. Okay and which country was she from? She's German. German. German and so what did you get her to do how did it work so I sort of established a bit of a process and I was had no idea what I was doing with Anna and I was very straightforward with her about that we're like but we both have no idea if I'm doing something wrong or it, like she didn't know either it's like if I'm doing something that makes you feel awkward or if it's too much or if it's too little just tell me and at one point actually she did say the, 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 I can see that the kids are going to be more relaxed if you don't pop in and out if you hide when you go to the loo and stuff that, that's going to make them more relaxed and she knew that from um, her experience in uh, Colombia where she's looking after an orphanage of 30 um, abandoned children on her own um, so I was, like, I, was I was really willing to sort of take her um, suggestion on that but we did one week where she helped me and we did another week where I helped her mm -hmm. and then we did a third week where she was doing half days on her own but I was, I literally never left the property. I was absolutely just in the garden. And, and we, I sort of started to hide about a week or two after that when we realised that the, the, the kids were getting upset when they could see me. But they, they had a great time with her right from the very beginning. And what, a, what an experience for her as well. Although yeah, it, sounds, I, it sounds like she's had quite some life experiences. She had, she had a lot of really interesting experience and, and some negative experience in, in Colombia. Um, she was sort of put slightly abandoned by the uh, organisation she was meant to be, with, be there with. So it had been quite hairy and stressful, mm. but she'd really enjoyed looking after the children. So she, she kind of enjoyed the family atmosphere and the security and just being able to um, sort of get into living in a different country. She's also mm. very outgoing and, and personal individual. So she was able to make new friends really quickly with, with other au pairs in the area and mm. sort of 
sightseeing in Oxford, you know, big fan of museums and theatre and all that kind of thing. So she did just fit in very easily. And she was a great choice for first au pair. And I did a lot of Skype interviews to sort of settle on her and had a lot of competition. Lots of people asked her to be their au pair. Um, and I'm lucky that she picked us, essentially. Brilliant. And I know that, so did you just focus on childcare or did you get ask her to do any other things? I probably asked her to put their clothes in the washing basket when they were dirty. Yeah. That, and to keep her room clean like because uh, because what I was asking her to do was look after two yes. nine months old <laughs> Quite <a> from, lot. <laughs> from kind of circa nine ten in the morning until circa four or five in the afternoon with, yeah. with that that was enough yeah um if you were if you were doing after school care and it was like three until six and they're looking after a 10 year old then for sure you could ask them during the day to load and unload the dishwasher take the bins out mm. but what you're not going to ask them to do is clean the house from top to bottom because they're not yeah. clean yeah the, the the sort of the thrust of being an au pair is looking after children and the upsides are you know sort of cultural exposure learning english um living in another country so if, if you're asking them to do stuff around the house it, it really needs to be pertaining to the kids i would say they're not changing your bed linen and pertaining to themselves yeah and and great that you guys have stayed in contact so that- yeah we're besties <laughs> she's <laughs> awesome she brought her boyfriend to meet me <laughs> when they first got together because uh, yeah, like her parents weren't available so she's like what do you think of this one and I was like, yeah, it seems good. um yeah no so so we uh having close and actually my second au pair who i'll get on to now is, is coming to visit on monday and, and she's moved to this country full-time as well now and also has met a local lad as it were so yeah no we've, i was very lucky with her so you're just building up this like big supply of people to look after yeah it's well. brilliant <laughs> <laughs> my my web of uh of, of european people in their 20s grows ever larger uh, i love it <laughs> so is it usual that it's only a six month period or is it, it can be it any better? time period but it's not realistically going to be much more than a year um right. my second au pair did stay for a year right which i was very lucky with i mean it, this is really a sort of episode in someone's growing up process so they're on their way to something else they might be deciding what that something else is and actually both au pairs one and two were in the process of deciding what that was having changed their minds just before joining me about their sort of life direction in both cases they were from very small towns with quite unambitious group of friends and they were looking to sort of exit that small town and have their horizons broadened and, and sort of think about stuff so it is worth bearing in mind what being an au pair means to your au pair they're not an employee they're really someone who's looking for a big moment in their life um, and you do have to support them in that but, but I love that idea it's as brilliant. well the, the fact that they're helping you but you're also giving them an opportunity to get that ambition and that experience it's, I love it it's, it's yeah. brilliant and also I think in both cases in, th- in all three cases um, it helped them to sort of look at what I was doing which was a sort of uh, running my own business. I've got, got well, my house, obviously got my kids w- without assistance. And, and they're just sort of thinking, okay, well, that's obviously achievable. Um, I'm not going to, that's not, that, my life isn't what they're aiming for, but it's just a bit of a nice sort of, well, I can do all those things. So what else could I possibly do? Which is nice. I think particularly if you've grown up in a fairly traditional sort of a small town family where there's the kind of checkout and the marriage, you know, uh, sort of, a fairly basic setup to just think okay I can think outside the box here and that's really nice to, to sort of help somebody have those thoughts really good really good so she stayed for a year and was it a similar similar situation similar experience yeah Marino is Spanish uh, from Madrid and she was 
in the process of deciding whether she wanted to study childcare and and knew that she needed to get out of her sort of bubble which was a lot of people who were in the sort of process of training to be beauticians and hairdressers etc completely fine not what she wanted to do and there was just this kind of group think of everybody in her friendship group moving in a certain direction her she's the youngest child of her mom the baby of the family um just really felt quite heavily relied upon by her mom for her mom's social circle and uh, just needed to exit the the complete situation in a very sort of happy and positive way nothing bad was happening but uh, yeah so she she came to me to sort of get a bit of a fresh perspective on things which lo and behold she seems to have done and also in her case very much to learn English Marina's English was much less good than Anna's Anna's was almost perfect Um, Anna was open number one from Germany Marina was open number two from Spain Marina's English was reasonably weak uh, when she first arrived but it was manageable um, and then uh, now, now it's fantastic, you know, much time has passed. But actually, even to get a job in Madrid, in Starbucks, she needed English. Yeah. So she's now moved to London, but even um, in in lots of sort of capitals in, in Europe, you have to speak English to function, which is outrageous, um, but serves us very well when we're looking for pairs. <laughs> yeah. One of the things that I think is, you know, I've got really used to my own space and my own things and how things work. How did, you know, how much time did you spend with these girls? Were, were you spent together in the evenings? Were you eating tea together? Like, how did that all work? I knew that this was going to be an issue. Uh, because I'm in my own space uh, person. I, I sort of gather energy from other people, but I kind of recharge alone. But yeah. the, I, I appreciate the recharging, gathering energy sounds like the same thing, but you know roughly what I mean? Like yeah. I need to decompress yeah. alone and then like energize in company. So I knew this was going to be a thing. My house is not large. So what I did was set up the playroom, dining room with a sofa and a TV. And that was my au pair living room. And then my living room in the evenings was just for me was the way I put it um in in the evenings the living room is just for me so like actually with with Anna and I think then Marina we watch Bake Off together every Wednesday um <laughs> but it was a kind of invite only situation yeah. which I felt bad about in some ways but actually it was essential yeah and, he, and they they also may want their own space it means that they didn't have and the way I worded it was like you don't have any obligation to socialize yeah. with me all the time ancient woman that I am so this is the situation that the living room is for me and we'll have dinner together three times a week and uh other times why don't you have a look at going out to Oxford and meeting the local au pairs there or um, and I get HelloFresh deliveries which um, I also really recommend getting a meal delivery service mm. recipe delivery service means that the au pair has always got a load of recipes in the fridge that they can kind of get on with and enjoy cooking and always trying to think of stuff for them to do or, or ingredients so that was really helpful but yeah I gave it some thought beforehand and wrote it into their contract and then into our agreement when they arrived just to say like I'm really excited to spend this time with you and I can help you with your English as much as you want and this is where the local language schools are and I'm really happy to drive you there um, and to help you enroll this is the local Facebook groups that have other au pairs on here's some other places where you might meet some people we'll have dinner together on these days and not on these days and here's your living room and also I spent a long time making the au pairs bedroom really lovely like a lot of storage like I redecorated the whole thing as I thought a 20 year old would want it to make them feel comfortable and at home but especially bearing in mind I was saying don't go in the living room yeah um, so I just I felt like I needed some balance there and what did they work Monday to Friday and have Saturday Sunday off yeah yeah and and in some cases once, once they sort of properly got ensconced uh, they'd sometimes head off on Friday at four o'clock straight on the bus up to Oxford or into London and they'd be back on 
a Sunday night. Right. And my my final au pair was in the house every minute of every given day, which was exhausting. And right. I tried to discourage unsuccessfully. <laughs> right. Okay. So it just depends on their personality. It really does. Yeah. So so do you not have an au pair now? No. So no. um my last au pair finished at Christmas time. She actually left unexpectedly or uh, you know, far in advance of when we had agreed because she just had some realizations about what she needed to do in her yeah. life essentially she was finding it really more difficult than she thought um being away from her family she was sort of struggling to go out and make friends and was feeling quite isolated in the house it was also covid times wasn't it yeah it was mid covid times um so, so that made everything more difficult it's also the middle of the winter so it, it was difficult for her and she and i our personalities didn't didn't gel particularly well just in terms of being quite awkward all the time which so when she when she sort of said I'm heading off next Tuesday I was like cool I don't have any childcare for my children I'm self-employed great but also um I was I was a little bit relieved because uh we just weren't a natural fit so yeah. I had two absolutely fantastic sensational au pairs and one who did the job to her best of her ability and then realized it wasn't for her yeah so a, a good outcome to be honest um on, on balance it all went pretty well so ha- what how are you surviving now then uh, the kids were at nursery because I qualified for the 15 free hours um, uh, because yeah. I was claiming universal credit in June, which the sort of situation in my flat still stands. But um, because of COVID times, they just kind of waved everyone through in June because I didn't have any income. So because I was claiming universal credit for that one month, I then qualified for the 15 free hours, which meant that nursery was affordable and they will get 30 hours in September. I also have a nanny for a day and a half a week. She's terrifying. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But uh, she gets the job done and she will be sailing off into the sunset next Friday because the girls start full-time nursery the following week. Right. Okay. Okay. Brilliant. So for you, it seems that like if you get the right person that's a good fit for you, it can be a brilliant part of, of your support. It's brilliant. And something that I had overlooked as an asset is that um, the au pair lives in your house and you can have a babysitter whenever you want. And in both the cases with me, if they were going to be in the house anyway, so it's a, you know, it's a Tuesday evening, they're not sort of counting that as babysitting. I asked them if they want me to take it off their organization in the week. And they're like, well, I'm just sitting here watching Netflix. If you want to pop out for a run, for instance, pop out for a run. Mm-hmm. I'm not talking about, you know, like you know, journeying up and down the land um, every day and taking the, taking the absolute piss out of it. But if you want to pop out for a, you know, glass of wine at a friend's house down the road, you can do that. And the freedom to do that really, really helped me. And when we sort of say, is it challenging being a, a solo mum of twins? Yeah, it absolutely is. And sometimes you need to decompress in the evening. And the au pairs enabled me to do that. And I really miss it. And that was when the kids were already asleep, you mean? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So yeah. once the kids are in bed. Yeah. So my kids have always gone to bed very early because I'm it's one of my favorite things. Um, <laughs> I, I still put them to bed at 6.30 when they're three. Amazing. Uh, they, they actually have always had the same bedtime since they were however old kids are when they first get a bedtime. Yeah. So kids are in bed. And then at that point, uh, if if they're asleep and I'm very confident they're not going to wake up yeah. I'll ha- happily um, you know pop out for a bit which is a complete win um, and also you can pay your au pair to do additional babysitting um, and yeah. you know if you want to go away for the Saturday evening for, for several hours it just and it goes above the 30 hours that they're meant to work you can obviously always pay for it and and that they like the extra money and you haven't got to sort out a babysitter that you trust and blah 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 and you haven't got to be back by a certain time because they're going to be sleeping there anyway uh so yeah that that's definitely a huge win and did you find that they could put the kids to bed okay oh absolutely yeah yeah amazing i mostly did it myself 
because I would take over at kind of 4 p.m. and then mm-hmm. they're then my responsibility and, and the girls have got their evening to themselves. But yeah, no, they're absolutely able to do everything. And actually one night, one day a week, I'd have a lion and the au pair would start at seven and finish at two or whatever, which was amazing because in those early days I was incredibly sleep deprived so just the opportunity to to sort of properly sleep was was a huge win yeah don't let me forget to mention our obligation to them I just wanted to like because there's a few horror stories that I hear but because I've got a good relationship with my various au pairs uh, you know sort of stories get back to me about the way that other au pairs uh, are sometimes treated sometimes um because the the family is a horrible group of people and then sometimes because inadvertently um and the the people listening will not be horrible um so but there might be inadvertent mistakes and yeah. it's partly just this thing about what the what the au pair experience means to the au pair it's like it's kind of a gap year thing um you know they might have fantastic childcare credentials and be absolutely brilliant but they're there to add something to their own life and so they need their own bedroom they can't share with your kid literally there's plenty of stories around that where they like arrive and they're shown to a kind of mattress on the floor of a six-year-old's room or something is that right you're 25 years old yeah so that's that's obviously not acceptable and then people being asked to work ridiculously long hours because Mm. um because it suits the the family in question and 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 sort of ad hoc um so sort of you have to work on saturday being told that on thursday means that whatever plans were made which is one of the key reasons they came to this country was to do fun stuff at the weekend then needs to be cancelled and they might not have the guts to to tell you that they had a plan that they were excited about that they're now cancelling so it's just a case of planning the bejesus out of everything and having very clear expectations being really honest at the at the upfront um and also bearing in mind that if you're in a couple and you have an au pair your, the primary relationship in that group of three is between the couple. Um, but if you're a solo mum with an au pair, there's then two adults in that household and the primary adult relationship is then between the two of you. So it's just a sort of how to sort of de-intensify that, how, how not to like get all up in someone else's grill and also just make sure that you're prioritising the, the chemistry that the two of you have, basically. They literally live in your house all the time and they might gather up a fantastic group of friends, but they might be a lovely person who doesn't do that um, and they might be there a lot. So it's just a case of sort of understanding that and potentially having a bash uh, like quite often au pairs are looking for a summer job between finishing school and starting university for instance or a university summer holiday um, and if you're not sure about whether you can cope with having someone else in your house having a short stint might be a good way of practicing mm, so good tip so start off with a, a taster almost I didn't do that because I needed yeah. someone to build up a long relationship with my very young children yeah. but if you're a little bit worried about the level of space you've got in your house, how the setup might work, um, whether it's an appropriate job for an au pair at all. If you're really sort of open about all that um, at the beginning and you're like, right, let's have a bash for a couple of months. Do all the interviews and everything before, because if you are a slapdash with it, then you might end up with someone who's a knobhead. And then you're definitely, the outcome will be that you don't like them mm. um, and you don't like au pairs in general. So, um, but yeah, it, it is worth having a bit of a try at it, I think. Mm. And I'm just like trying out my own parenting style as in, you know, three is a tough age yeah. and um, I'm like reading all the books. How do we deal with these different scenarios? Did you almost like have to teach, I suppose it's slightly different when they're younger, but did you have to teach the au pair how you wanted them to deal with different things or how did that work? The, yeah, the, the discipline issues are only emerging now. Um, right. So sort of how to deal with actively bad behavior as you know with a, as a parent of a three-year-old it's only actually coming now in terms right. of the 
you know, the, the time out and have a think about this and it's okay to be cross. It's not okay to bite your sister's head off yeah. um, that kind of stuff. So when they were younger, there was, there was less of that. But um, I did have a few, I guess, parameters, but it was mostly about safety. Like obviously never leave a child yeah. in the bath. Um, that kind of stuff. But also to be honest, I don't have any idea how to be a parent. Not <laughs> a clue. Not a clue. Like every new week, I'm like, oh, now I have a child that's this age. Um, how do I do this? Don't know. About to find out. Um, so I, because of that, I didn't have any real set expectations or like um, or plans about how to best uh, be a parent. It was, it was like if everyone's happy and no one's horribly injured, then um, I'm delighted. And that was always the thing, really. I was, I was asking the pairs to have fun and for the children to have fun and to yeah. to love the to love the person and and feel trusting. And um, I didn't have any sort of like learning or development objectives no. <laughs> I, I just considered that to be my responsibility but if you've got an older child and and the sort of what to do if the child does this um in terms of behavior good or bad uh yeah you, you would have to decide what your parenting style is write it down and then explain it to them yeah because uh, i'm just thinking like daisy wants a jaffa uh, not jaffa cakes jammy dodgers for breakfast this morning and you know <laughs> then proceeded to have an absolute meltdown oh my god because yeah. i that that wasn't my preference she did we had have the same one this morning but it was about rich teas exact <laughs> same conversation i nearly oh, killed myself yeah daisy did have jammy dodgers for breakfast this morning was the result nice. so i was just thinking what would a new pair have done because i failed <laughs> well like um, I, I think the guidance that for just as an example the guidance i gave the au pairs was um every meal has to contain a protein a carb and a veg yeah. um and like i ideally no cake for breakfast um yeah. but to be honest i i never give in right. <laughs> so with a with a bit of um i think if the au pair was watching me for that first week where they're yeah. helping me and then the second yeah. week where i'm helping them that's the key allow a lot of handover time so they can just yeah. watch you because it goes in better if they're watching rather than um like just trying to listen yeah, yeah especially if the english isn't um absolutely on point so yeah I, to be honest i have much more issue with the nanny than i do with any au pair because she has a set way i have another uh... set way um whereas with an au pair they have no set way and you have a set way and you tell them what the set way is and they right. do it oh, um interesting. it's uh, it's much more of a like you, you decide how this is going to go and, and yeah. they do it um to the best of their ability whereas you know it, it, there's more potential for conflict if the other person has ideas of their own yeah true true i've not thought about that brilliant anything else that you want to share um for people who are considering this that we've not discussed i would say paperwork and the only other thing I was going to mention was driving. All three of my pairs were able to drive, but I tried to put them on my car insurance. It was going to increase my car insurance bill by four, five, six times. Insane amount of money. And also I wasn't necessarily confident with the girls driving my kids anyway, because you never know what someone else is going to do. And it would just be too awful if there was a car accident while, while the au pair was and driving. And especially when it's on the other side of the road. That exactly. And to be honest, none, none of the girls wanted to drive at all. In fact, um, they, they, once I suggested they flat out refused. Right. Um, okay. Because they were too worried about it. So I was like, am I going to pay five or six times my car insurance for them to occasionally drive themselves into Oxford and then yeah. fail to park and then try all the way home again so I didn't go for that but just bear in mind the driving as a cost consideration because it is insanely expensive and then the second thing is paperwork I mentioned the contract and the agreement no, nothing is legally binding a pair can leave whenever she wants um if she's a nightmare you can ask her to leave uh, whenever you want obviously you don't turf a 19 year old out of your mm. house without any kind of help so if you're if you realize that it's not a match um 
you would either f- try to find them another family if they're a nice person but not right for you or like the hours aren't working the location's not working whatever else or I guess you put them on a flight but the agreement is really important especially you need to send it to them in advance so that they can change their mind before they get on the flight if it's not the right family for them I go into massive detail on mine yeah. I am a vegetarian this is when I tend to eat um this is what the children eat I can't stand noise in the evening your bedroom's right next to mine so please always use headphones when you're watching Netflix seriously the detail is ridiculous mm. and all my pairs really appreciated it just because they knew exactly what they should be doing mm. and and they could have read that and thought my god this woman's insane and not come and that would have helped them as well it would have helped both of us not have a, an aborted mission so naturally um, like you say they might not have the confidence to ask and so they might feel a bit nervous that they don't know if they're doing things right exactly. but with all of that guidance they're like okay I'm really clear what's what's okay and what isn't okay exactly and obviously stuff will arise Marina was the worst dishwasher loader I've ever met in my life <laughs> um so we had to have a bit of a dishwasher conversation but yeah and, and that stuff comes up but if you're very very clear also written writing in the contract if you write in there if you're bothered about anything if anything is upsetting you if you're yeah. worried about anything tell me straight away same day and I will do the same to you and even just that instruction I know did sort of have a positive outcome and that sometimes they would say to me I wasn't going to say anything but you said in that thing that I should mention it straight away right. and then you don't have this kind of festering whatever yeah. and because I've shared houses since I was 18 through university London everywhere else um, I'm just kind of accustomed with how things can build with people that you're living mm. with so yeah all, all that just be completely explicit I'm trying to think if there's anything else can you think of any other questions that you have been asked that I haven't mentioned no I think that's super super useful so I think for anybody who's considering it I think it'll be really helpful to understand all the different considerations and how it might work and I guess for me probably the key would be the, those interviews, the Skype dates, yeah. the, you know, trying to get to know each other as best you can before you agree. And I really like what you say. It's not like a finalization. It's a get to know you chat. You know, you don't yeah. feel obliged. And then have another one. Con- and then yeah. have another one. Yeah, exactly. And you can come up with various reasons why you need to speak to them several times. Yeah. Um, I've even, I've offered um, on all occasions and was always taken up on it to meet their mum on Skype. Like I've asked them to like, Is, are your parents there? Do they want to check me out? I've showed them around my house. I've showed them their room in advance, like my road, talk to the chat to the mum even if through the au pair none of the mums have spoken English that kind of helps everyone feel relaxed and it means yeah. that then if you then say I'd like you to be our au pair the family then are going to feel positive Come about it and reinforce yeah. their decision it just makes everyone feel relaxed I would just just be as much yourself as possible it's, it's really it's really not like interviewing an employee you're really looking for a sort of a partnership a friend someone that you can trust with your children so because you don't have the qualifications to go on you have to go on your gut so the more the more um exposure you can have the more time you can have with them um the better and if your gut says it's it's a no then it's a no yeah brilliant oh thank you so much for taking the time to chat to me super useful and really pleased that it worked out so well for you so thank you so much you're really welcome yeah it was brilliant for me and i I do always recommend it it's um it is a really good solution and it's been really fun if anyone's got any questions you can always pass them on to me i will do great thank you if you've enjoyed this episode of the stalker my podcast i'd hugely appreciate if you rate review and subscribe I look forward to seeing you again next week.